about the A-League, Premier League and more. This week on the pod, comebacks make a comeback in the Prem, Champions League, the Tillies and us to the pub. We discuss what's the point of Norwich and Steve Bruce's managerial reign at Newcastle is the next casualty of the Saudi regime. I'm joined this week by George. Welcome to the show, mate. Great to have you back on board. Good to be back, mate. Good to be back. Been a, been a big week for, for Chelsea fans, uh, lots of goals, not many conceded, been a lot of fun, I imagine. Yeah, mate, um, you know, it, it, it's good times. How, how many is that? Uh, 11 goals in two games, so 11, or maybe two, more. Not, not conceded, I, I, think yeah. I, I went to the Malmo game, so it, it was good fun. It was good oh, fun mate, another, to, uh, to watch Jorginho, just Jorginho banging a few penalties. <laughs> just a hop, skip and jump down the road for you, isn't it? Very good. Always very good. It. All right. All righty, mate. What's uh what's your moment of the week though? Uh, my moment of the week, Tommy, is uh going in, in midweek, the, the Champions League. Um not the yeah. Chelsea Malmo game I, I referred to Ooh. earlier. No, it was uh the, the Liverpool uh Atletico game, which was an absolute cracker. And just just honing in on uh old mate Antoine Griezmann, who's uh who's been absolutely awful for about I don't know. Ever since he, he went to Barcelona and then came back, um, came back to Atletico, you know, in that strange transfer uh, at the start of the season, banging in two goals. So you know, good good stuff. Oh yeah. Also, yeah, he did get a red card. So scored two <laughs> and, and got a red card. So no, I do love want... I do I do love that when a guy when a guy sort of um, who's been much maligned comes back. You know, breaks breaks the. Uh, I think he'd only scored one for Atletico since returning. Um, and then goes and sticks his uh, sticks his boot in the air and and, and clocks um, Fabinho in the head. So so needless and, as well. Yeah, I think he was probably just pumped up because he was you know in the mix and um, yeah probably probably cost them the game. Notwithstanding the uh, the, the the late penalty shout that was um, that was revoked um, as well. Yeah. So yeah, it was a, it was just a, it was an it was it was just an awesome game and one of those you know Champions League games that. Um, you, you really enjoy watching, you know, Liverpool taking the lead, and then um, and then Atletico coming roaring back, and then Salah the clutch penalty, and and then you know a penalty reversed at the end for seemingly similar sort of foul. I don't know whether you saw it, Tommy, but um, yeah, it was, a, it was an exciting game. So yeah, that that was that's going to be it tough was. to beat. And I mean, like the Liverpool penalty, we'll talk about this a little bit more uh, a little bit later um, in the Champions League segment. But this uh, that that penalty was a was a pretty stone cold or like pretty clear cut penalty. Um, so I think um, uh, Griezmann in the sheds would have been pretty disappointed by his teammates, and obviously they probably would have been pretty disappointed about him as well. But yeah, anyways, um, mate, it was a cracker of a game. So good moment of the week. Um, for me, uh, look, I'm going to take uh, some liberties here. With with George being in the UK, it meant that mate, you you don't get a chance to, well, you didn't get a chance to watch the Midfielders last night. So I'm just going to freestyle here and and talk a little bit about how much I enjoyed just the whole evening last night. Of first of all, the Matildas 
but also being in the pub and being able to watch with some mates that was that was good too so um Matildas, they they're the big uh, the big comeback of this week. Um, first of all, obviously Matildas were on TV now. They were on the main channel, Channel uh, Ten. Um, there was fifteen thousand people at Combank Stadium, so like would have been pumping. Uh, plenty of Brazilian expats in the crowd as well, with the drums and the horns and stuff. There's plenty of dancing on TV and stuff as well. So you would have been conflicted, Tommy. Oh, mate, I was. I was getting plenty of pretty dark, greasy looks from from my fiance across the table as well. I got to say, um, she was uh, not not real happy when they went down, and um, obviously thought, oh, she, she could be in with a chance here when um, when Brazil scored. But yeah, just uh, really good result, uh, and also a really good performance from the Matildas as well. So um, that also, I guess, added to to the evening. A um, couple of great goals from Claire Polkinghorn, who poked one home uh, at the far post. Uh, Mary Fowler and obviously uh, West Ham's uh, Emily Van Egmond uh, all capped off a really strong performance against the Celisal Feminina. Um, there's a couple of debuts as well for Remy Simpson and Briley Henry. So great news as well that um, in the coming uh, years there's going to be uh, plenty more Matildas coming on t- uh, off the conveyor belt, which is great news. Um, and look, whilst the game was great, great atmosphere, the other thing I thought was really good about this was I thought Channel 10's coverage as well was bang on. Um, you had Simon Hill, Tara Rushton's rejoined or has sorry, joined the team now. So uh, she's going to be working on the dub and um, maybe the, the Azuzu Ute A-League as well this year. <laughs> mate, mate, what, what do you think about that, about the, the name of I that? love it. I love it. Couldn't be a more appropriate sponsor if they tried. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but as I was saying, Tara's joined the team as well, so that's great. And look, I I did um, catch today that it actually rated pretty well as well. It was um, uh, it was the second highest rating uh, show on uh, Free to Wear TV last night. Not that ratings really mean that much anymore with with streaming services and all of the sort of secondary channels as well. Um, but it uh, rated highest after Grandchester, which is a show I've never heard of, but apparently it, it was the top rating show uh, on Saturday night on, on the ABC. So, uh, yeah, good news for the Matildas, good news to Channel 10 that that they've seen a little bit of a return already on on uh, investing in football, which um, obviously we want football to be a success on uh, Channel 10, but it, it needs to be a success so that they're going to be likely to continue to to invest in the in the game over the next couple of years. And obviously, um, bad bad news for Grandchester as well. So, <laughs> mate, they're going to be absolutely Maybe. spewing. Uh, yeah, I reckon. Good. I reckon they're going to be pushing nervous. pushing <laughs> shit uphill on Tuesday night when the Matildas play Brazil again to to get the uh, to get the top uh, top ratings again. So so look out, Grandchester, whatever you are. <laughs> Uh, made a couple of other shout outs as well. Um, uh, Channel 10 and Paramount Plus announced that they secured the rights to the FA Cup. So they're going to be showing that, I believe, all rounds from December onwards, uh, which is which is fantastic. You don't always get to see all of those games here in Australia. Um, and it does also, I guess, point to uh, Paramount Plus putting in a big uh, big bid uh, for the Premier League rights when they come up in November uh, for next season's rights and onwards. Oh, wow. Um, and finally, 
I know I've taken a lot of liberty, a lot of liberty, a lot of liberties here when it comes to moment of the week. But um, do just want to have a shout out to A League Villa, who uh, reminded us that Western United are expecting to break ground tomorrow at Tarnit on their new stadium. So look, much maligned that whole bid, and um, some people said that they lied the fact that they couldn't build a stadium in a pandemic. Um, but look, it does appear as though they're finally going to be making some real concrete. Pro, uh, progress uh, this week, so that's that's fantastic as well. So, sure, you sure they're not just building apartments there, Tommy? <laughs> I think some someone should go down and have a look because uh, I'm still skeptical about this. But yeah, so. right. look, and I, I understand the skepticism. It's taken far too long for them to 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 get to this point where they're going to be breaking ground. But look, I mean, All they will probably just it. yeah, yeah, timing. exactly. There's a there's a um, a ready made excuse in that there was a global pandemic on so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Alrighty, mate. Um, back to back to I guess the regular regular scheduling though. Uh, did, did you have an own goal this week? Yeah, I, I had a couple. Um, had a couple for you, Tommy. One was uh, in the in the Chelsea Malmo game um, with, mm-hmm. with um, Romelu Lukaku. I think going over on his ankle. You know, everyone's like, okay, now it's uh, Timo time. Mm-hmm. So what does Timo do? He goes and pulls his hammy. So and he, oh. he, he he misses the rest of the Malmo game. Mind you, he'd missed a couple of chances in that game as well uh, in the first 15 minutes before he was injured. And then, you know, he's missed the uh, Norwich game. So, uh, poor Timo. Uh, just the, yeah. The, yeah. Just the king, the king of missing easy opportunities. And <laughs> yeah, now he's, yeah. miss, now he's yeah, missing yeah. games while Romelu's uh, out injured. So. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, right. uh, <laughs> uh, I thought that was quite funny and, and ironic. And then, uh, oh, uh, then uh, back, back to the Premier League yesterday, um, the uh, Everton Watford game. So, how, how on earth did um, you know Everton go from two one up to what was it five two in the end? And, and <laughs> former player, you know, who didn't get a run with Everton last year, Josh King bagging a, a pretty decent hat trick. So, yeah, Everton shitting the bed a little bit there. So, right. that that was the best uh, best shitting the bed or the best comeback since since Villa what uh, two weeks ago. Well, last yeah. week against uh, against Wolves, so uh, yeah, it's it's been a while. We've been a little bit spoiled, I guess, for good comebacks recently. Um, about you, Tommy? Uh, for me, my own goal this week. Look, I found it a little bit tough, so so I had to sort of shoehorn uh, some good news and turn it into turn it into an own goal, and and that was um, that Channel Ten. They uh, I've I've, been, I've given them some big props this week, but they did um, uh, they've unveiled sort of one of their their new. Um, uh, A-League ads um, this week, which I think everyone was sort of a little bit nervous whenever there's sort of a new a new broadcast or something like that comes on board. Um, however, this Channel 10 A-League's ad, it's just, it, it really hits the mark. It, it's, um, it... They haven't gone with a, the the paint, uh, the, the, the paint and the, the, the original one with the soccer ball and the paint and the juggling. No, and look, it's hard to beat that. that, that is still, that's still the OG GOAT uh, A-League ad for me. Um, no no scribe as well um, <laughs> or New Zealand hip hop, but um, <laughs> I, I can't remember the name of the song, but uh, anyone who's seen the ad, all I can hear when when I hear the music is you, 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 you. When when I hear the the music in the background, and I, I just think that uh, Azuzu Utes, they've just got to be so pleased with the choice of music. So um, the Brilliant. the moment, sorry, the own goal out of all of yeah. this though is that uh, whilst the ad's great, some people seem to to just try to find a negative anywhere they can, um, and with this, um, people seem to be displeased that um, 
that so the for people well, i'm sure everyone who follows the pod has seen the ad and in the ad there's a bunch of different supporters from different teams and they're sort of showing their colors and flying flags and i think there's even some flares and stuff like that but some of those scenes weren't necessarily filmed in their respective cities so there's like some western united fans and and that was filmed in brisbane and i actually believe that all of the footage is filmed in brisbane so it's it's just like well first of all there's a there's a pandemic and you can't fly people around the country filming stuff and secondly, does it matter where it's filmed? Who cares? It's a good Mate, ad. Has anyone watched a, a Hollywood? I mean, you guys probably haven't been to the cinemas in a while, but like ninety nine percent of the movie, yeah, sorry, ninety nine percent of the movie filmed uh, in front of a green screen or in it in bloody Atlanta or, or somewhere in America and trying to be somewhere else. So yeah, mate, just, just uh, get off but... get off the high horse, people, and. Uh, <laughs> Get with the program. Oh, it was just just uh, really disappointing for me. But what's a really positive moment, I think, is that like Channel Ten, they're really pushing um, the the A leagues at the moment. There's plenty of cross promotion. You got Archie Thompson on Celebrity Celebrity uh, Master Chef, and it, they're just they're just doing everything that we we hoped that they would do. So um, that's really positive, and just a shame that people tried to uh, manage to find a negative in it somewhere. Can we get a Celebrity Master Chef uh, update, Tommy? Just for those who haven't been following. Oh mate, um, destruction in the box. They've been doing sort of updates uh, and and um, sort of summaries, video summaries of of right. how Archie's been going. And probably the the pick of that was that Archie Thompson cooked KFC on there one night. That was that was pretty amusing. But I mean, there, there was sort of a bit of a heartfelt story that goes along with that. He said that like he comes from like a, a not particularly well off background, and um, I can't remember if he said he's 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 a uh, um, his mum was a single mum at the time, but didn't have a lot of money. And so they, they getting KFC on like Sunday nights, that was a big deal. And so he basically cooked fried chicken as sort of a, an homage to his mum, which that was nice, but still cooking um, fried chicken on, on Celebrity MasterChef is kind of funny still, though. Standards, yeah, <laughs> standards uh, not as high as maybe previous seasons. But... Yeah. All right, mate. Um, a few other news uh, tidbits from around the, the place this week. Um, as I mentioned at the top, uh, Newcastle, they've stacked, uh, not really sacked Steve Bruce. I think it was actually by, by mutual, uh, mutual agreement. Definitely um, sacked him. Yeah, it's, it's hard to tell. But anyway, Steve Bruce has left Newcastle. Um, they haven't announced a successor to Steve Bruce. It does seem like Fonseca is going to be coming in. He, he was at Roma for a while. He was at Shakhtar for a while. He was even in uh, competition with uh, Manuel Pellegrini to succeed. Um, it would have been David Moyes the first time round at West Ham. So, um, and and then there's been sort of the the joke candidate, which is Eddie Howe. So, um, very interesting to see um, uh, who oh, ends yeah, up. Lampard's name was in the mix as well. I don't know. Oh, geez, I think I think Eddie Howe's a more credible option for, for Newcastle <laughs> than than um, than than Lampard is. I mean, uh, Lampard showed that he was well and truly out of his depth in the Premier League. Uh, over the last he made top years. four one year. More than yep. Eddie Howe's ever done. <laughs> yeah, but Eddie Howe didn't have the the Chelsea squad at his disposal. Um, but mate, is there? Would you like to see Lampard going to Newcastle or, or Gerard's the other one that's been mentioned? He's obviously done think, really well with think, with um, Rangers. I think Gerard actually is a is a really good shout because he's he's done the apprenticeship at Rangers. He's he's won it all in Scotland. Mm. Um, and if they're going to be backing him financially, then. Yeah, there's a bit of pressure there, but you know there's a lot of pressure at Rangers, so I think it, it's a, it's a it's a good call. Um, yeah, but I mean, 
you never know with uh, the new owners and whether they want a, you know, more uh, continental type manager. Um, this is a this is almost a bit of a poison chalice, I think. Whoever takes on on this role because they know that this this person isn't isn't going to be there for a long time. The job for this person is to probably to integrate some new signings who are likely to be quite different, quite a bit, quite a bit different in terms of quality and um, and wages than some of the other uh, other players that are currently in the squad. Um, and obviously, to I think sort of change the playing style a little bit after Steve Bruce and Rafa Benitez the last couple of years. So, it, I think it's a really difficult job, and they're probably not expecting a hell of a lot, and they're probably not expecting them to actually hang around for very long. I reckon. The, the person who, who fills that job will be lucky to still be there at the end of next season. So more than 18 months, I don't think they'll, they'll last. Yeah, but I think it's a free hit from for this season because all they have to do is get them out of relegation, uh, the relegation spot, I think, because they're, they're, they're going to struggle. Look at their points tally at the moment. Like They're going to struggle to make the top half. Like They have to have a, a, an absolutely smashing you know, six months to, to even make it into the top 10. So... True, but then I think they're going to be in a very similar situation to say, like I think it was Mark Hughes at City after the um, after those uh, the big um, takeovers that they had. Well, all that part, Tommy, where where Chelsea yeah. spent uh, you know th- nearly three hundred million uh, the second season he was in, um, and he, he he didn't seem to manage the the new guys coming in, and, and the performances dipped when when instead he, he was he was actually playing okay when he had he had to play you know, with, with the squad he'd received. And similar, yeah, you're right, Mark Hughes as well. It didn't take long for them to get Mancini in. But I think that, that that's a different case because Hughes is, is was a good manager, but he's, a, you know, UK-based and, and then new ownership came in and they wanted something different and mm. they wanted a bigger name. So, um, yeah. I can't remember where Ericsson fit into that whole timeline as well. but He was anyway. he was when the tie the ownership was in place. Uh, so he was before Hughes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What so. hell? This is a really racking my memory at the moment. The dodgy, but, um, dodgy tie owner. <laughs> um, mate. Speaking of dodgy tie, I had a I had a bad tie tonight, and it was just way too spicy. Just, just didn't hit the hit, see hit the spot. But for those listening on the pod, there's you know you can see the, the, the droplets of sweat coming off Tommy's forehead. So, mate, if, if he um, needs to excuse himself for for a minute, and you don't hear him <laughs> on the pod, you know where he's. You know where he is. Those with a keen ear uh, on the pod would would be pretty used to hearing the opening of a of a can at the beginning of a pod. Not not this week. It's uh, instead of a, a beer, it's a kombucha. So, um, <laughs> I think that's, just it's different. Definitely, definitely. I'd prefer the dodgy pad tie. <laughs> Um, all right, let's. Uh, one other thing, sorry, on, on the topic of Steve Bruce, um, is that um, there was a bit of a sad quote that uh, was doing the rounds in the last couple of days uh, from Steve Bruce to um, to Luke Edward Steele, who I assume is a journo. He said, Steve Bruce said, I think this might be my last job. It's been very, very tough uh, to never really be wanted, to feel that people wanted me to fail and saying I would fail, that I was useless, a fat waste of space, and a tactically inept cabbage head. Um, it was a really a bit of a sad, sad quote, I guess, and a bit of a sad indictment to, like you say, how he was treated. Um, like I, I was one of those people that thought that Steve Bruce would fail. I never got the impression that he was a bad guy. I never got the impression that he was. Uh, um, I always got the impression that he probably deserved better. But um, I, I think Newcastle fans um, were always a little bit harsh on on Steve Bruce because. 
Um, he he was a bit of a, a, a totem for um, the Mike Ashley sort of anger around the club as well. So, so just on, on that, Tommy, though, just I don't mm-hmm. know whether you saw it, uh, mm-hmm. not to labour the point, but the Sky Sports had this interesting stat uh, about Steve Bruce versus Rafa Benitez at, after two seasons. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll, I'll read them out really quickly. So if you yeah, so two full seasons each, points, total points over the two seasons, both having 90 points. Bruce having 23 wins, Rafa having 24 wins, goals scored, Bruce 84, Rafa 81, goals conceded, Bruce 120, Rafa 95, possession 38, Rafa 40. So very, very similar records over the last, over two seasons. And I think that that's that, 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 that sort of summarises how, you know, the perception was with Bruce versus Rafa when in fact yeah, the yeah. results were largely similar. And I mean, there, there was no real investment in. The, well, I guess there was a little bit of investment. They got um, some maximum and 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 Joe Linton, aka Joe Ellington. Um, so it, it was. I guess it was just a disappointing period. I think for a lot of Newcastle fans, and they'd just be happy to move on. Um, yeah. We talked, I think, a little bit last week about the sports washing aspect, and um, obviously the Steve Bruce aspect of that doesn't really uh, fade in, uh, doesn't really play into that a hell of a lot. But um, I, I know a lot of people will just be um, be interested to see how this pans out from a, a footballing perspective as to who he, who, who he's replaced by, um, who who that new manager uh, signs in, in January. And we and know then, that yeah, they're going how, to sign players. And right? how much they can actually spend because uh, apparently yeah. the, the clubs have blocked um, – Blocked the uh, the Saudis making direct sponsorships through the club, so uh, that, that might impact yeah. impact um, some of the the spending power initially. Anyway, because I think it's a temporary measure. But um, well, that's it. I mean, where there's a will, there's a way, right? Like they yeah. they will find a way, and they will they will find a way to funnel money into the club, right? But yeah. um, it, it's like you say, it's going to be very interesting to see how that that pans out, and whether or not they they try to make that almost a little bit more of a permanent arrangement, and how difficult they make it for them. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, but the uh, one other piece of news was that um, that's come out today is that, that it looks like the A leagues they're um, they're looking on fi- looking towards finalising a sale uh, of thirty percent of the um, the rights of the the competition. So um, something in the region of one hundred and thirty million dollars is likely to be raised through through the sale of uh, through this equity sale of of the A leagues. Um, which is an incredible opportunity for for the competitions to be able to, I guess, maybe uh, try and sort of finalise some of the infrastructure that's around the competition that's maybe gone a little bit stale. I know that they've been talking about building like a big digital hub um, and and things like apps and stuff like that that do cost money. That there are investments in sort of the architecture for the for the competition, but but aren't sort of um, uh, sort of regular day to day expenses. So that um, Things like uh, sort of marketing campaigns and stuff like that. I really hope that 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 130 million doesn't go towards things like that. But um, there, there is some uh, some infrastructure that does need to be built around the competitions to, I guess, uh, help them help them really uh, go from strength to strength and and capitalise on. I guess, like I was saying before, that investment that Channel Ten are putting into the into the A leagues and Matildas and Socceroos at the moment. I think you, if there's, I was going to say you've seen you've seen similar things. Sort of uh, discussed at you know Serie A level and um, La Liga mm. level, where where private equity uh, are putting money in and getting a getting a, a stake in the in the um, in the rights to the, the leagues, and, and then they'll probably take take a take a return out of some of the next 
wave of um, uh, TV rights money and, and the like. So mm. um, it's 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 it looks like it's actually the way forward for, for football. I don't know whether it's a, it's an amazing thing or not. It's only yeah thirty percent, so you're not going to have a, a huge stake in things and and you know decision making and the like. But um, you know, obviously the it's the, the, the investment is required, notwithstanding the um, money that's been pumped in through Channel Ten and, and Paramount. Oh, I guess at this point, it's um, it's a little bit hard to know sort of what the risks are for the competition because, like, I mean, with a thirty percent stake, you don't really have that much influence on 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 how the league is run. Uh, you obviously don't have a controlling stake, so you can't can't take on huge huge aspects of uh, control, but. Um, yeah, and I, I guess I feel like in the, maybe not in the next twelve months or even the next twenty four months, but I feel like in the third and fourth year of this, we might start to see more more influence uh, from uh, from this investment firm. Were they called Silver Lake? I think they are. Um, so it'd be very very interesting to see how that all pans out, and very interesting to see how they spend the money too. So um, yeah, uh, all right. Now on to the Premier League. Ruben Loftus-Cheek, lovely return from Ziyech, Loftus-Cheek, and Mason Mount's hat-trick, seventh heaven. The year is 2030, Newcastle have just won their third successive Premier League title, Real Madrid have just won their fifth European Super League, Mbappe is the top scorer, Melbourne is leaving its... (laughs) Melbourne is leaving its most recent... Uh, COVID-19 lockdown after another strain has been found. Meanwhile, Norwich have just been relegated from the Premier League after failing to score a goal in the final thirteen, uh, final 15 rounds. They've alternate, alternated between relegation and topping the championship for the past eight years. Look, that's, that's uh, I guess, possibly uh, how things could pan out over the next set of 10 years. But um, And obviously, it's not real life. But after the 7-0 loss to Chelsea overnight, you've got to ask yourself, what is the point of Norwich right now? Because they're just clogging up the league. And honestly, they, they, they were terrible last night and probably one of the worst performances I've seen in the Premier League for, for quite some time. Yeah, it was, it's, it was pretty embarrassing. And, and so Damo sent us the stats. So Norwich have two goals from nine games, 23 against. And you know he was saying it's already looking worse than the last record-breaking campaign. Um, so, yeah, they just... They just lined up and it, and it just didn't look like they had a hope, to be honest. And, you know, you were just waiting for the, the floodgates to open. And when they eventually did, it just looked easy. And, you know, Chelsea didn't have a, 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 a their front line. And, you know, Kai Havertz was leading the line with Hudson-Odoi um, on on the wing. And, uh, mm. you know, and Mason Mount as well, who was, who was really good. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just, it was just, Norwich just weren't, weren't good enough. And they're not good enough for the Premier League. And, you know, it, it's just it's it's weird because they seem to ma- manage to bounce straight up in the in the championship, and and they're probably too good for the championship, but then they don't invest. And the golf, well, in the, mate, their, the, their team is worse than it was last year in the championship. Like they they yeah. sold Buendia, which That's was right. the, probably the right thing to do. But I mean, the the players that have come in in Sargent and uh, I think it's Rashika, they they're just not equal quality. And yeah, and the great, there's Pookie, a great guy on the wing, I think, as well, they brought in. But, yeah, um, exactly. And, you, you, and Pookie doesn't seem to be the same player that he was two years ago either. He just, like, he's he's had, had less chances. And when a player like him, I think, has less chances, it's it's inevitably going to lead to less goals as well. 
yeah, ultimately, you can't come into the Premier League, not spend any money, weaken your team, and look how much money's flowing in the Premier League for the last, you know, five years. Like if you, if you're, if you're not coming up and, and investing, you're going to get smashed. And lo and behold, they're getting smashed. And you know, they, they, you know, sometimes they perform ad- admirably, but ultimately, like they're not, they're not going to collect the points to stay up, and they're, they're going to be relegated, you know, before Christmas. I think Villa showed how difficult it can be when you sell sort of a real talismanic player like uh, Grealish or, or in Norwich's case, Bondia, um, and that it can be really difficult to sort of bounce back from that and, and try to and, and encourage sort of the, some of the existing players or the new players to step up and sort of fill the breach. But excuse me, but but Norwich Norwich don't have um, the other players uh, around them of a similar quality in the sense that Villa do. So it's just Villa a really, also really... signed like seven other players as well to replace Grealish. Yeah, I guess my point is that like they, they had a better squad to begin with, right? And then Norwich, yeah. who were probably more reliant on someone like Buendia, now just like they're not creating chances. They're not scoring the chances that they do get. They're just leaking goals like a sieve. Like they're um, defensively ill-disciplined with Ben Gibson getting two yellow cards and getting sent off. And it just... I mean, it's hard to find any positives from that whole performance last night. It was just really disappointing. And I mean, probably the, um, probably the scariest thing is, I think it is, there is some sort of inevitability that they will beat someone this year at some point, And you just hope that it's not your team. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be that one game where your, your team gets a red card or a major injury and, and Norwich capitalized. But yeah. I'm glad Chelsea put them to the sword and, and you know, they're at the bottom of the table and that's where they belong. Just before he left um, my place last night at about three o'clock, um, Damo and I were discussing about uh, Daniel Farker and, and how he's managed to, to hang around at um, at Norwich for so long. I think a lot of people were probably surprised to some degree that he managed to survive their last campaign and obviously he took them straight back up to the Premier League so he he did show that he was able to sort of get the team to, to bounce back and, um, and and keep them competitive and and get them back into the uh, into the Premier League as soon as possible but I mean it, it, I, I don't really understand how they can uh, have similarly poor results in two Premier League campaigns and and the manager seems to be under no pressure at all. It's... Well, yeah, I think I think that's just the coming from the coming from the top. That's the, the the club has no ambition to stay in the Premier League. So they and then they know the manager can get them out of the championship. So they don't care. They they're just collecting the prim, the Premier League money, they're collecting the parachute payment, uh pocketing it um with minimal investment and then they they, they know Farker can get them back into the Premier League and, and it's a, the formula they're, they're repeating and they're not going to, they probably won't sack him, no. And it's what right. would be the point. He, they, they, <laughs> they know coming into the start of the Premier League season they're getting relegated. So <laughs> why would there be pressure? Like just go out there and, and have have a go and, and, you know, score some goals or play some nice football, even though they're, they're probably not. Um, that That's that's probably the mission. And, and you know, and yeah, coming... You can't you can't realistically expect them to, to stay up when you know you know they've lost a couple of players and there's been zero other investments. So hmm. I guess um the the one real opportunity for, for Norwich this year was that that maybe um 
Uh, Brendan Williams, the the online Manchester United fullback, that maybe he would sort of come good, and that he would sort of be, maybe be a bit of a shining light for for them, and that sort of at least Manchester United might have won sort of somehow out of this out of Norwich's season. But even Brendan Williams is sort of it's hard to be good as a young player in a team that's performing as badly as Norwich are right now and getting results that Norwich are right now. So just um, a really really tough situation and hard to find any positives out of it. I guess at the moment. Um, mate, thanks for humouring me and, and talking about Norwich for a little while, though, especially when uh, Chelsea are obviously red hot at the moment. But look, as we mentioned at the top, 11 goals, none conceded this week. It's obviously pretty good. But um, how happy were you with the performance of Chelsea, though? Yeah, I, I, the, the, the key players, I thought, were, were Mount and Callum Hudson-Odoi, who, who looked really, really good. Mount, Mount finally scoring. I think it had been 20, over 20 games since his last goal, and he managed to get a hat-trick, even though one of them was a, a retaken penalty after Tim Krull saved. You know, the, 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 master, the master of the dark arts and penalties, Tim Krull, <laughs> managed to, to save the first one and, and, and then nearly managed to save the second one. But I was really... Uh, Reese James looked really good as well, and um, good to see him back in the starting lineup. And yeah, um, Mountain Hudson Adoy look, looking looking the good, looking the goods. And when Hudson Adoy has 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 a head of steam and he's got he's full of confidence and injury free, you know you get to see these glimpses of a, of a guy that that could be really really good. Um, he just needs to obviously keep playing and, and not get injured and, and manage that manage his consistency. And, and Mount's looking good as well after probably being overplayed. And to be honest, he played every game for two years and played with England and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, it was going to be difficult for him to maintain the level. Um, yeah, so a good win. And, and um, yeah, uh, Kai Hubbard can, can do the job playing as the, as the you know, the false nine or the, you know, the, the sort of floating target man. Um, mm. and, as, and as long as the guys you know, get around him, support him and, and make forward runs, then, you know, he, he can play quite well in that position. So uh, there's also an international break and uh, coming up in a few weeks as well. So hopefully one of Werner and Lukaku come back uh, to, to help with that with that depth going in the forward line. But, yeah, I, I thought I'd probably single out uh, Hudson-Odoi and Mount looking really good. One, I guess any game where Hudson Odoi gets any any significant time on the pitch is is good, but um, just a shame, I guess. I don't know how you feel about this, but a bit of a shame. I thought that he didn't end up uh, leaving Chelsea on loan to to get, I guess, more solid minutes under his belt this season. But yeah, I, I think that's fair. But then you see Ziyech getting injured, Pulisic always injured, mm. so yeah. he's going to he's going to actually get game time. Uh, as well, so and it's good to see him and you know Loftus Cheek after all these years back in the back in the starting lineup. Well, Loftus Cheek was on the bench, but he's played quite a few games this season, more than you'd expect. So yeah, yeah it's but, cool. I think they, 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 they've just got to play consistent football, and they've got to not be injured. And, and, and that has you know, really surprised me that that Loftus Cheek has actually played quite a bit this season. Um, I think a lot of people wouldn't have been surprised if he had gone out on loan again um, this year, but um, seems though he's he's hung around. Either they couldn't find a loan option for him, or no one was willing to pay the the fee that Chelsea want for him. But it it, it is looking like he probably won't end up leaving Chelsea. No, because... he's, if he, if he's fit and firing, he's almost unstop. He's almost very. He's almost unplayable. Like he's he's a huge unit. He's he's got excellent touch. Um, he can drive the ball forward and, and find a pass. It's just the only thing that's held him back was when 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 he's been injured and he's had some bad injuries. I think he did his Achilles in America that time that they were on that America tour, the stupid yep. game. 
in the middle of the season. <laughs> um, I think Sari was the manager then. And mm-hmm. probably set him back 18 months because he's a, he's a big unit and to snap your Achilles is, is not good, and especially when, you, when you're that big and you're that powerful. So it's all Sari's fault. No, it's Chelsea's fault for going to America <laughs> and playing on some substandard pitch. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, don't, don't get me started. <laughs> Sorry, mate. It sounds like you'd only just gotten over that. Um, all right, good good stuff for for Chelsea though. They uh, that result takes them top of the league. Uh, I think Liverpool can leapfrog them though um, if they beat Manchester United tonight though. Um, next up, Everton they hosted Watford in what seemed probably for the first hour to be looked like it was going to end up being a pretty regulation uh, win for Everton. They're up two one, but look, uh, pretty massive comeback in the end. Um, George, uh, Manchester United did in the 99 Champions League final, Barcelona versus PSG, Champions League quarters 2017, West Ham versus Spurs last season, Wolves versus Villa last week. Where, where does this rate in sort of like the all-time comebacks? I probably have it have it on par with the United Champions League <laughs> final. Yeah, it's, it's that good. It's that good. No. There was one thing that... Yeah. There's one thing they had in common. It was that they were unexpected. I don't think anyone would have expected this, not just the comeback, but the, just the utter capitulation that uh, that Everton displayed as well. Because I, I, they had been quite good for for most of this season, but everything seemed to really sort of come falling apart in the, that final 20 minutes of... Yeah, well, um, I think the, the, the equalising goal was in the 78th minute, so... That Everton were two one up till the seventy eighth minute, and then they've, mm-hmm. they've, they've conceded four and four in a row. So, yeah, and it's it's unlikely. It, it's a really unlikely um, result given you've got Rafa Benitez managing Everton, who 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 who's usually, who usually builds from the back and you know secures a, a lead and you know can can manage a result. So. How much do you think of of this result could be put down to the the massive list of uh, plays missing from Everton at the moment? Uh, some of it, I think, but also like not a huge amount of play, players were missing defensively, and they were in the league. So I think I think when you're when you're you know in in the 70, 77th minute and leading a game two one, no matter who you're playing with, you wouldn't expect to concede another four goals, right? No, and like who who is missing and and how their their influence has changed this squad over the past few weeks has has been um, quite key. I think like um, Decore, he's the the latest uh, player to get injured, and I, I think you, you could put a, a lot of this down to uh, some of his influence. He's been a very very tidy player for them so far yeah. this season, and to to be losing him in that final twenty minutes of of this game, it's um, no coincidence. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, one player who would have been very happy with the result was uh, Claudio Ranieri. How long do you think the new manager bounce is going to last for him? You never really know with Watford um, <laughs> at all. So yeah, I, I wouldn't like, even I wouldn't even bother guessing. I have no idea. Like it could be one week, it could be three. Uh, it probably won't be the full season, Tommy. George, I'd just like to remind you that we are still a Watford podcast. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> pushing for pushing for top four then. Why not? <laughs> I think uh, I think Andy was the original one who was really around Watford. I think it was Decore that actually was sort of what the big the big catalyst for that. Him and Kapuwe. So um, yeah, yeah. We have Probably to roll the tapes. Big, bigger and better things. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, all right. Uh, let's keep moving, though. Uh, Brighton, they hosted City. Um, and I thought this should have been probably the big match of the weekend, uh, at least for Saturday night with, um, obviously, with um, uh, Manchester United playing Liverpool tonight. That's probably the, the match of the round uh, overall, though. But City, City were at their imperious best um, as they displayed a counter, counter-attacking masterclass against Brighton. Uh, a good one goal and two from Phil Foden inside the first 30 minutes meant that um, it was always going to be difficult for Brighton to come back. Um, they did manage to get one back through Alexis McAllister uh, from the penalty spot after Enoch Mwepu. I think that's the computer, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, was was fouled by Edison. Um, but Mares did make uh, the point certain for City late on uh, with a fourth for City. Um, result does mean that um, there's a little bit of clear air developing between uh, Chelsea, City, Liverpool and the rest now. Um, but I think um, I think Spurs, they can sort of uh, stay in touching distance as well if if they get a result against West Ham. We'll talk about that game a little bit later as well. Two things from, from this game, I'd say, Tommy. The, probably the yeah, best goal-line goal clearance I've seen in a while. Um, I can't remember if it was – I think it was Dunk or one of Duffy or Dunk. I can't remember. But um, I would think it would have been Dunk because I don't think Duffy played. Duffy played He's in my fantasy right. team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Dunk, Dunk with an amazing goal-line clearance. I couldn't believe – Phil Foden couldn't believe it, it hadn't crossed the line. So, and the other one was um, Brighton's goalkeeper Sanchez just having having a bit of a mare. So, for the Matty Ryan fans out there, Colby, um, one for you. <laughs> Very good. I'm sure all the Aussies, all, all the Aussies loved that, um, especially while Matty Ryan's not playing at all at Real Sociedad. Um, Arsenal wound back the clock a little bit on Saturday morning, not because of daylight savings, but because they were actually good. Um, against Aston Villa with uh, Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe, Bamiyang and Lacazette all doing their bit to, to, secure, uh, to secure three points for Arsenal. A um, few observations from me. Um, Ollie Watkins got booked within 60 seconds for absolutely ragdolling, I think it was Gabriel, uh, to, the, to the ground, which was equal parts sort of amusing from a neutrals fan and uh, fan perspective and uh, I guess would have been infuriating if you're an uh, if you're a Villa fan uh, watching your striker get booked within 60 seconds. Um, like I said at the top, Arsenal were actually very good in the first half. I thought they so seemed Villa, to. I the thought, ball. yeah, yeah, Arsenal were, were very good in the first half, but Villa was super poor. Like they just didn't come to play in that first half, and and Arsenal when they get their just didn't up, want it. They didn't want it. No, they were awful. They didn't have a shot on target or something. Like they, they were just crap. And and Arsenal, you know. Took took the uh, opportunity to put, put on the throat a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, and but I think Arsenal, uh, when the confidence is up and they're at home, and you know they they know the other teams on the ropes, they're they're quite good. It's just, um, I mean, they but, did but come, yeah, they did come he, back against uh, uh, Crystal Palace as well, uh, mm. but um, yeah, go on, Tommy. Yeah, but but even then, like you mentioned, that they sort of had their their foot on uh, on Villa's throat, sort of for for most of the game. But even still, there's still that sense that like they can't quite kill it off. And and like Aubameyang missed a penalty, or sorry, had a penalty saved, I should say, yeah, and right. just really like they they're almost on the cusp of making a hash of it, even when they're playing really well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's there's still that sense that like things are going to go wrong and they're going to stuff it up somehow. So yeah. Um, was good result, good performance. Um, they didn't manage to keep a clean sheet either, so it would be frustrating, I think, for Arteta. Um, but also, I mean, 
I think the uh, one final observation that I will say was that the Arsenal fans were singing, you're just a shit Aaron Ramsdale to, to Martinez. I, I did find that was funny as well. Bit harsh given he saved a penalty, and you know, uh, yeah. So I, I think that's a, a little bit harsh. He's yeah. I think that, that that could go down as one of the worst decisions ever to get rid of him. Um, yeah, and then paying what is it like close to? I think it was close to thirty million for yeah. for Ramsdale. Who I mean, some people rate him. I don't though. Um, it's just slightly better. Than, he's a slight upgrade on Leno, but yeah, nothing to write home about. It's, a lot of money to spend on someone who's a slight upgrade on on your existing uh, player. Um, have caught a little bit, a few sort of um, tidbits of of people questioning why Dean Smith isn't under more pressure. Um, Villa have had uh, three wins, one draw, and five losses so far this year. They could, excuse me, they could drop as low as sixteenth um, at, at the end of this round. Excuse me. So. Um, do you think Dean Smith should be under more pressure or you think that this is just sort of half the course after they sold Grealish? Oh, I think he, he, they've spent a lot of money. They've spent all that Grealish money and, and brought in a fair few replacements. And um, they started off well. And, you know, there were some gen, genuine expectations that they, they'd be, you know, challenging in the top half this season. So I think, yeah, looking at that record, it, it, it's pretty awful, actually. So... Um, yeah, I guess it is still quite early too, right? Like we're only what we're almost ten games into the season, so you, by this point you do get a pretty good feel for for how a team is going to go. But at the same time, a team isn't locked into sort of that that uh, place on the table either. And I, I think Villa, um, you, you could see Buendia, Bailey, um, sort of uh, come on in the in the next um, in the next couple of months and and help to turn things around a little bit at Villa. But I probably don't disagree that. Um, although I didn't predict that they would finish sort of just above the relegation places, but sort of safely out of them. Um, it's it's not unsurprising that they are sort of floating around sort of that part of the table, though. Yeah, I think they should be doing better. But, yeah, as I said, it's early days. And um, I think if in the next few months, if, if they're still languishing in that, you know, 12th, no, maybe 15th to, you know, 13th, 15th position, then, yeah. Questions are entitled to be asked. Next up, uh, Palace, they hosted Newcastle. The I guess uh, Newcastle now are everyone's, if there's an, an opposite of uh, a team that is everyone's second uh, second team, it's it's Newcastle at the moment. Obviously, after the Saudis took them over, everyone hates them. But um, this is a game that, I, to be honest, I wasn't particularly excited about. And then I watched the, watched the highlights today, and it actually looked like this game was a lot of fun. There was... Heaps of chances, and uh, I think Benteke probably could have scored about three or four goals if he had have just been sort of a little bit off to the left or the right. But I mean, in true Benteke style, um, Callum Wilson scored a bicycle kick, which was just an absolute peach of a goal. Um, and there was a disallowed goal, uh, sort of a disallowed winner late on in the game as well. Um, and it just seemed like a, a fun game, which I just would not have expected to say that about Newcastle and Palace, even as little as six months ago when you had Steve Bruce and, and Roy Hodgson um, in, in the, the managerial hot spots, hot spots at, um, at those two respective clubs. And Palace not not able to hang on to a lead again for the second time in, the, in two or a week or two because they, they, mm. they, they, they cocked up against Arsenal in the last minute. Um, and, and, and this game. So they've dropped quite a few points So um, just from winning positions. So 
bit of a worry because I mean, like, they're they're the opposite of Manchester United. Like Manchester United consistently going behind and then having to play catch up. And uh, I guess it's a different sort of problem to to be falling asleep late in games and conceding. So. Um, hopefully they're able to, to turn things around there because, um, yeah, if, if obviously if they don't and they, they keep dropping points uh, like this, then um, Patrick Vieira might find that he gets moved on. Uh, Leeds, they hosted Wolves in the third comeback of the uh, of the night or in this week. Uh, Leeds, to, uh, sorry, Wolves took a very early lead through Huang Hichan, another goal for him. Um, but it took Leeds over 90 minutes to open their account, uh, giving them a one-all draw and the two teams sharing the points. Um, anything else that you want to add from this one, mate? No, no, I think um, uh, Wolves would be pretty impressed with with, with uh, Fung Ki Chan actually scoring quite a few goals and they probably wouldn't have expected him to make him such a, such a decent impact because he wasn't prolific 100%. before a game. Well, it's um, never so, really been prolific anyway. I think it was Jesse yeah, yeah, that said yeah. this last week on the pod that like he's he's pretty much come out of nowhere and all of a sudden he's gone to the highest level uh, in uh, like even at um, RB Leipzig I think it was he wasn't very good there or sorry he was good but not prolific so um, yeah great stuff for Wolves though I guess yeah um, Southampton in the the final game they hosted Burnley two all draw. A uh, real seesawing battle between the two teams, or the points shared. Um, Southampton's two goal scorers have a combined age of 38. Both are on loan from Chelsea, which is uh, Broja and uh, Liveramento. Um, I think Li- Liveramento was actually sold. I think with with a buyback. But um, I think, uh, yeah, Bro- actually, Broja's I think on, you might be right. Yep, Broja's on loan, um, and yeah, there's all these. There's on the, on the forums. There's all these. Can we can we get him back? But I, I, so he, he's on loan. So. Liveramento was sold because he, he he wasn't going to get a game, but I think he's. I think would, yeah, yeah, and I mean Liveramento at only eighteen, he he does look like he's going to be a Premier League quality player, and he he may not be at um at Southampton, but he you could end up going to another Premier League club, um who if they really like the look of him, so that's yeah. um very interesting, I guess, uh, for him and great for Southampton that they found themselves a, a good young player as well, mm-hmm. um. Southampton probably got to be asking themselves what they um, what they had to do to get the win though with Liveramento and Redmond. Uh, Liveramento hit the post and Redmond he uh, missed a tap in from about three inches off the line. So um, would be pretty disappointed. But um, Max uh, Max Cornet got uh, the two goals for Burnley, um, which I think I think that means he scored like three four goals already for them um, this season. And I think considering he was signed as like a left back slash left midfielder. Um, he, he seems to be a really cool, uh, really great signing for them. Uh, next up, a couple of uh, predictions or previews for for the remaining matches uh, of this big game. Big games, week. Tommy. Some big games. Yeah, and look, uh, I know a lot of people would say that uh, West Ham versus Spurs is is the biggest game of of the round. But look, we are we are going to maybe be a little bit controversial, and we're going to be talking uh, Manchester United versus Liverpool first. Um, after the performance, uh, not only in the league but also in the Champions League recently, I think Ole's under a little bit of pressure. Ronaldo's really sort of turned up the the pressure at uh, at Manchester United this season, um, and 
I think it, it it sends the the team into a really high pressure fixture, such as this one against uh, Liverpool. Obviously, there's there's local rivalries. There's there's a historic rivalry between these two two teams, and it it this is going this is not going to be a quiet game where where nothing happens. This is either going to be a, a game where Liverpool just absolutely blow them away, and Manchester United just can't cope. And they they really have sort of their their pressing failures and organisational failures exposed, or Manchester United manage to sort of dig something out and Ronaldo scores a winner in the the ninety seventh minute, right? Like there's there's going to be no there's going to be no in between um, where it's just a little bit dull and um, it turns out to be a one all draw, um, like maybe what we've seen in 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 the last couple of years. I think um, this this is going to be a this is going to be one where you you just kind of have to strap yourself in and 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 see where it pans out. But uh, what do you think, George? Uh, I, th- I think Liverpool are, are probably ten times better than Man U. So I, I mean, I, I'm expecting Liverpool to beat them. Um, uh, you know, I, I think Man U just they're just not that good. Oli Oli's Ronaldo's Ronaldo's got them out of trouble a few times, and they've got a lot of attacking talent. Um, when Oli just throws them all on, you know they're they're they're, they're going to cause problems because he's, he puts five strikers on, and they're they're smashing the ball forward. Uh, I think De Gea has actually been quite good for Man U this season. So mm. I don't know where he where he went for two or three years, but I think he, he looks <laughs> like he's he's um he's back and a little bit better. In his it's the Jose. It's the Jose yeah. um, De Gea from so last couple. Of years. I mean, he saved them a little bit against Atalanta with a couple of big saves. Um, yeah, I, I think Liverpool just with Salah's form and uh, the way Man U are conceding. Uh, I think Liverpool have the edge, and I'm expecting fireworks, to be honest. But uh, I, I still think Liverpool will be too good. Given that um, there's a bit of a pattern of Manchester United matches over the last probably two years that I've noticed, it's that Manchester United are terrible in the first half, concede goals for fun, but then in the in the final thirty minutes, and and they showed this in the the Champions League game against Atalanta. Um, that they'll then be absolutely unplayable and will score two, three, or more goals in the second half, and just be incredible. And you think how how are these two teams that you you've just watched in those two respective halves? How are they the same team managed by the same manager? Because it, they're so different in just sort of the intensity, the ability, and organization, and just the desire as well. They come out in the second half and they look like they could beat any team in the world. But the problem is that they can only play like that for thirty minutes. So um, yeah. uh, the the other thing is that they they are playing at home today as well. So there is mm. the the old Trafford um, with fans too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah, look, I I would not be at all surprised to see Liverpool go up four 0 and then um, United <laughs> to score two Bring in the second back. half yeah. and, and it ends up finishing four um, two. It's going to be exciting, I think. Yeah, agreed. Uh, agreed. Next up, West Ham, they host Spurs. And for probably the first time in a long time, I think you'd have to say that West Ham are probably favourites for this. Um, George, can you see Spurs winning? Yes, I can see Spurs winning. You know, they've been like, they've showed some improvement um, over the last sort of month or so. So I think, uh, did they lose it? They lost in the Europe. Did they lose in the Let me double check that. But, the Europa uh, Conference League. Yeah, they, they did lose uh, to the Test recently. But I think. <laughs> I think, yeah, mate, they're, they're really improved lately. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, since since losing to Arsenal, they, they've they've beaten Villa and uh, Newcastle. So obviously, two wow. two two top performing <laughs> clubs. But um, 
Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I think. No, no, dig I, up, stupid. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I, I should have checked. I should have checked the date, but um, I think they're 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 a chance. But I I, I think West Ham uh, West Ham are looking pretty solid. Um, Look, as much as I joke, I, I think you are right. I think um, I think we're we're far more likely to see the uh, the 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 Spurs of uh, I'm not even sure what what Spurs to call them, but I think that. Now that um, Kane has sort of gotten out of his sort of early season funk, he yeah. he is a, just an incredible player, and he can create, he can score and create out of nothing. So, um, uh, Kurt Zuma and Ogbonna, they're going to have to really be at their best to to stop him and and Son as well. So, really, with those two players, they're always in with uh, in with a shout. And and West Ham haven't been as tight at the back um, as they probably would like. So um, it, it does bode to to maybe, similar to sort of that Manchester United-Liverpool dynamic I was describing before, we could see maybe a bit of a shootout here as well with, with both teams scoring a few goals. You got a score prediction, mate? Uh, I think it'll be uh, Tottenham 2-1. Tottenham 2-1, interesting. All right, I'm going to say 2-all. Uh, I'm going to say 2-all. Um, and finally, Brent, um, Brentford, they're going to be hosting Leicester, uh, resurgent Leicester um, versus this year's makes teams play bad, um, <laughs> which used to be Sheffield United last uh, last year and, and in the years past. Um, but, yeah, Leicester um, did have a good result uh, midweek in the Europa League with um, Dakar scoring four goals um, against uh, – who did they play? Um against uh, Spartak Moscow. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think this, is, this has got the potential to be an interesting game as well. I, I would not be surprised, though, if if uh, a rest of Jamie Vardy does pop up and um, is able to, um, I guess, make things a little bit interesting, uh, I guess, against um, Brentford as well. So um, Yeah, with, with, with the, you know, Iheanacho, Dakar, um, Barnes being back, you know, the pressure's not on Vardy as much. So, you know, he didn't have enough to do much midweek and yeah so you'll be you'll be fit and firing for this game and you know i think i think leicester are probably just too good for, for brentford although you know brentford are uh yeah i think it's fair to make parallels with sheffield united because they're they're, they're they're pretty solid in the first season anyway yeah um, <laughs> so they're, they're pretty good and they're, and, they're, and you know they're, they're always dangerous going forward as well so you, you they're solid and, and they're they're pretty good going forward. Well, there, there was the big problem. difference. There was the big difference. Even in Sheffield United's first season in the Premier League, what two two three years ago, even then they they weren't prolific. They weren't creating many chances. They were just fortunately taking them. And then in the second yeah. season, they weren't creating many chances, and then they weren't scoring many either. So, um, yeah, it's uh, Brentford. I think will will um, they, they've shown that they are a threat going forward. Can, they can be creative as well. So. Um, Interesting signs for them, but look, I to be honest, um, George, I'm going to jump straight in, and I can only see a, a Leicester Leicester victory here. Yeah, I think Leicester are, are too good, uh, too good for Brentford. So three one, I'm predicting. Nice. Yeah, I, I think yeah, Brent, uh, Leicester two 0 on this one. Fair enough. All right, um, onto some Champions League and Europa League match day three next up. by the far post. 
Doesn't come to him, but it does come to Ronaldo. He turns dreams into reality. So uh, first up, PSG, they played uh, Abi Leipzig. Um, PSG dispatched them 3-2. Uh, the highlight from this one had to be Abi Leipzig's social media account saying, oh, Neymar's out. Cool. Just got a handle. Checks notes. Messi and Mbappe. So, uh, yeah, real um, uh, spicy one there. And uh, I guess it shows how difficult it is for um, teams playing up against um, uh, PSG in the Champions League. Um, next up, we mentioned uh, Atleti. They played Liverpool in what was, I think, your your moment of the week, George? Yeah, it was. It was. So, um, um... I don't really have anything else to expand upon. I think you've already hit upon all the key points there. And it, it really was one of those just absolutely bonkers games. And they don't come around all that often, especially in the Champions League as well, especially in the Champions League group stages as well. I think, And also on, on this one, Tommy, on a lighter note, the, the Simeone watch, the, the whole game, <laughs> the guy's just going insane and it's just losing his marbles at everything. And, yeah, I mean, they should have a Simeone cam, I think, uh, going forward. And then at the end of the game, he just, he just bolts down the tunnel to, to Jurgen Klopp's uh, confusion. He didn't manage to shake his hand. But, um, yeah, very, very, very entertaining. I, I did throw out a little bit of bait in the in the group chat this week, George. I'm not sure if you saw it about how um, there, there was a little bit of um, little bit of history between Jurgen Klopp and, and Simeone, and that there'd actually been an instance in March last year where um, uh, Klopp had refused to to shake his hands and uh, shake his hand at the end of the game. I think they played in the round of 16 or the round of 32 um, matchup then, and um, it, it wasn't because they weren't getting along. It was because in March last year it was sort of just after Project Restart and no one was shaking hands no because yeah, of COVID. But bumping elbows or whatever. No, no one took the bait, so yeah. what can I do? Um, next up, Inter, they hosted Sheriff. Inter shot the Sheriff with a comfortable 3-1 win. Um, this group is wide open now with Real Madrid and Sheriff on six points each, Inter on four points, and Shakhtar, the other team, on one point. So, look, Sheriff were really lucky well, – not not lucky, but they they were I guess a little bit fortunate to to get um, the the six points to to this point, um, but it's going to be really difficult uh, with those return fixtures uh, to to come um, if they want to um, get out of the uh, the group or, and even to to finish I guess um, in the um, the third place um, position and end up in the Europa League. Europa League, yeah. Uh, Ajax, they hosted Dortmund in probably what was the shock result of the round with Ajax uh, winning 4-0. Um, absolute mare for Dortmund. Um, Dortmund are having having a lot of those, though. I think the Dortmund are a lot, lot stronger going forward than they are defensively. So to see them yeah. concede four. Um, I feel like nothing's changed there. Like I feel yeah. like that's just been Dortmund for just years. Philosophy, though, right? yeah. 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 <laughs> just terrible at the back. Just terrible. That. But the, your man, Haller, just can't stop scoring, Tommy. Yeah, man. He scored 13 goals for club and country in 14 appearances this season, which, um, I mean, there was a reason why I got his his name on, on a West Ham kit a couple of years ago because he is a player, right? Like, you can tell he's, you can tell he's good, but um, he, he does sort of need to be in the right environment. And, I mean, the, the West Ham fans uh, never really warmed to him, I think, and I think some of them thought he was lazy and stuff like that. And, yeah, anyway, just never really worked out, but... Um, yeah, there, there's quite some player there and it seems like he's doing really well at, at Ajax at the moment. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier, Manchester United. They were the third big comeback of the week um, when they played against Atalanta 
Atalanta absolutely battered them in the first half and they were very good and it looked like they could just absolutely steamroll Manchester United. But um, to their credit, they they came back really strongly in the second half. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo ended up scoring a, a third goal uh, later on. As, classic header. As, yeah, just, you're right, just classic Cristiano Ronaldo clutch moment and uh, in late in the game against tired legs and um, you'd think, oh yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo is what thirty seven. He, he's not going to be able to pop up and and uh, have those moments anymore, but he still manages to do it. So, um, but on that though, Atalanta's whole, whole defense was basically out for this game, and, uh, um, uh, and I think that one of their players did happen after scoring as well. One of the defenders, so um, got his name, but uh, yeah, so not. I mean, it papers over the cracks because Atalanta were really good. Uh, going forward as they usually are, but they're, they're always susceptible to goals conceding and, and um, they, they were a weakened side as well. So people need to remember that before they mm. you know, go, go too crazy over man use combat. Well, I guess that goes both ways, right? Like that, that Atalanta were incredible in the first half and made Manchester United look terrible. So, but that was a second string Atalanta side, right? So well, yeah, defensively, it, yeah. It cuts, it cuts both ways, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, I take I take your point though that you kind of got to take take it with a, a bit of a grain of salt. Um, but yeah, just the the quintessential uh, Manchester United uh, performance under under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, where they have thirty minutes where they're just exceptional and, and unplayable and garbage for sixty minutes. Uh, next up, like I think we've already mentioned earlier, Chelsea hosted Malmo Malmo. Uh, ended up finishing 4-0 in that one. Uh, Lukaku obviously sustained a big injury, though. He's likely to be out, I think, for about a month yeah. from memory, but that does yep. include a, um, an international break in there as well. So um, I guess somewhat fortunate for, for Chelsea, but Lukaku is he hasn't maybe set things alight quite how people might might have expected. He hasn't been sort of as free free scoring as people might have thought that he, he would be um, early on. So... Yeah, an, an injury like that can just sort of uh, continue to interrupt that that um, integration there. So not not great for Chelsea, but obviously things are still humming along pretty well. Um, even without, uh, even in the game that Lukaku did get injured, they scored four, and then the game that he missed, they scored seven. So yeah, it's it's not all bad just for just now. And the big man could do with a rest, Tommy. I think he, he's been smashed. Um, you know, played a lot, played a lot of football in Italy, played a lot of football in the Euros and then basically moved to Chelsea and played played nearly every game. So it could be, could be good to give the big man a bit of a rest. Mate, I can relate. I can relate. Yeah. Um, anything else about the, the Chelsea performance against Malmö? No, Malmö is shit. They're, they're, they're <laughs> just not, they're, they're Were they worse than the Norwich? Yeah, they're the, they're the Norwich of the Champions League. So they just <laughs> were not at the races. So, you know I mean? yeah. What's the point of Malmö? What's the point of Malmo? So yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty poor um, <laughs> from the from the first minute. So fair enough. Uh, any uh, um, European drama aficionados will remember Malmo from from the bridge. Um, anyone playing along at home? So um, 
one final uh, thing before we wrap things up, uh, talking a little bit of Europa League. Um, interesting Woo. interesting tidbit um, here was that uh, – so Celtic ended up playing on, I think it was – Tuesday night. Tu- yeah, afternoon. Tuesday night. Tuesday afternoon, I think it was, yeah, actually. It was, what, 3, 3.30 in the afternoon yeah, they, yeah. they played. And, and Leicester had to do the same on Wednesday as well to – to uh, it was because Rangers were also were playing in the um, in the Europa League and Lokomotiv Moscow also had a game as well that they had to deconflict against as well. So um, and it's they they don't let two teams from the same city play on the same day in in UEFA competition. So um, interesting. I, 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 it was one of those sort of today I learned moments. But um, yeah, uh, weird. It's just weird. I, like I was like, hang on, why is Celtic playing on Tuesday? <laughs> it popped up on on social media, and I thought, oh, this must be like a highlight from the weekend or something. And then I realised it was against the Hungarian side, uh, Ferenc Varas, and I was like, hang on, Ooh, nice pronunciation there, Tommy. Just you know, just rolled off the tongue. Um, but look, Celtic did get a two 0 victory against Ferenc Varas, um, and just Celtic coming along quite nicely. Um, I, I did see one of the goals. The the Japanese striker, his uh, that that counter attack was particularly tasty. Um, I think we've mentioned it earlier as well. Uh, Leicester City, um, Pats and Dacker got four second half goals against Spartak Moscow. That one ended up finishing four three. So great result for Leicester, and not often you get to see someone score four goals uh, in a game. Um, Finally, West Ham, they played Genk in London. Uh, six changes uh, to the West Ham side that played Everton last weekend. Um, but two goal, uh, sorry, three goals, one for Dawson, Diop and Bowen um, gave West Ham a 3-0 win. So that's uh, three wins and they haven't conceded yet in the Europa League. So, look, the, the big question on everyone's lips is uh, can, can, can West, Ham, can can West Ham win the Europa League? And Look at this point, like the the champion. Sorry, the Europa League is a, is very competitive. There's a lot of very good sides, and I have to say that this looked like probably the weakest of all the groups. So, um, I think there's plenty the of West Ham fans getting very excited. You don't know who's going to drop down. That's 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 the real because there's always one or two really really good teams that drop down. Um, yep. For various reasons, and uh, yeah, they, they, then they then they turn their attention to winning the Europa League. So. Exactly right, but if there's if there's one very good, uh, I don't know if it's brand new for this season, um, but if you so if you top your group, um, you go straight through to the round of sixteen. If you come second in your group, you play against one of the teams who's dropped down from the Champions League in the round of thirty-two. Okay, cool. so it's it's a little bit more like I guess it's favoured towards the um, new group. The, the, the Champions League teams who've dropped down, but like you say, if you if you win your group, that's you, you basically get a buy through to the round of sixteen, which is yep. which is great. So you're only what one one win away from the quarterfinals, and once you get into like that knockout football, anything can happen really. Finally, uh, uh, a, a couple of mentions for Aussies in uh, Europa League. Uh, Awil Mabil, he came on um, in injury time against uh, Milos Degenek's uh, Red Star. I'm not going to try and do the proper Serbian pronunciation because I just don't know how to read it. So apologies there. Um, but Milos Degenek ended up playing 90 minutes um, and that one ended up finishing as a 1-1 draw between Mijerland and Red Star Belgrade. Um, and finally, um, Matty Ryan's Real Sociedad played Storm Gratz from Austria and Matty Ryan didn't play at all, played uh, sat on the bench for 90 minutes. So a little so bit of there. flying though. So I think it's, it's, it's that old uh, thing. You, it's hard to change a winning team, right? 
Well, I think a lot of people were expecting that, oh, yeah, Matty Ryan is an experienced uh, experienced goalkeeper. He probably would have been signed with a promise that he'll be playing um, in in cup competitions or in the Europa League or something like that, but it just doesn't appear as though that's that's been the case. Um, so a little bit disappointing, I guess, for, for Matty Ryan. And um, I know plenty of Socceroos fans will be, um, I guess, a little bit concerned as well about his lack of game time. Um, so as it turns out, uh, you are right. Uh, Real Sociedad are top right now. I had to confirm that that is actually the case and that I wasn't sorting the table by, I don't know, draws or something like that. Um, on, on, it's on, just... on, on that, Tommy, that, that uh, tonight actually you've got your, you've got, we've touched on it, we've got your Man U Liverpool, you've got your Juventus Inter and you've also got the, the Classico. So, yeah. Ooh, I spicy. Probably I probably won't be leaving the house this afternoon. <laughs> It's mate. It is. It is days like that when you must be so happy that that you you're over in Europe because uh, obviously it's Sunday night here, right? Like if you've got work tomorrow morning, you just got no hope of watching any of that football. So, um, mate, very very envious of you. So enjoy that for us. Um, but look, that's going to have to wrap things up for for the pod this week. Um, thanks for joining us on more than a game. Uh, don't forget, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be uh, doing our A-League uh, season preview episode. That'll be dropping on the 14th of November, so mark that in your calendars. And look, uh, keep keep your eyes peeled as well because this week we could see the drop of the, um, the new A-League digital hub, um, which is sort of uh, room to have A-League fantasy, A-League tipping, which um, is very, very exciting. So keep an eye out for that. Um, hopefully it drops this week, maybe next week. We'll see. Um, But until then, enjoy the football.